best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on The Zone. This is JJ and Alex. Presented by G2G Bars. On 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex rolls on into the 5 o'clock hour live from the RV show at the Mountain America Expo Center. Come down to the RV show, say hello. We've got uh, not a lot of candy left. You better hurry. But more important, come check out the RV show. Deals on the biggest RVs you've ever seen all the way down to other products that you could afford to come out with today. So a lot of opportunities, a lot of deals here. And just a good time. It's a great show to come out here with your family and have a good time. Today's show is brought to you by Trajan Wealth, your local financial fiduciary. Call 801-899-7600 or visit their website at trajanwealth.com. And, of course, JJ and Alex always brought to you by G2G Bars, packed with all kinds of goodness, the perfect snack, and the perfect way to get your protein and your fuel. Uh, we got to give away something here. I mentioned the RV show. We want to give away a family five-pack of tickets to the Utah RV show at the Mountain America Expo Center the RV show, of course, goes today through Sunday. So we're going to do that right now. Be caller number 12 at 801-575-9663. That's 801-575-9663. Call now. Be caller number 12, and you can win a family five-pack of tickets to the Utah RV show at the Mountain America Expo Center. Alex is left the building He's on his way to the Delta Center, or is it Delta Center? I apologize. I said the. <laughs> that won't happen again. And uh, so Alex Keery's on his way. He's going to do pre-half and post, filling in for Jake Scott tonight with the coach, Tim Lacombe. So with Alex gone, we're going to bring in a special guest. It's Ooh. the cut right now on JJ and Alex. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. And it's a KSL Sports Live takeover here in the 5 o'clock hour. And that special guest is the best looking anchor <laughs> on KSL Sports Live. Stop. It's Sam Farnsworth. Sam's in hey guys, studio. I'm happening? here at the Army Show. What's happening? Yes, I'm here. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, crash the, the party, JJ. This is this is a first, I believe. It I don't is know the first we, time. I, have, I don't know if we've been on the radio together before. First time, not the last time. Trust me. It's and gonna, I, I'll, I love I'll it. Be, I'll be I'll be uh, I'll be texting you about that soon, about <laughs> filling in here shortly uh, for Alex when he goes on paternity leave. But and I know is it hard to believe that Alex is going on paternity leave again? My goodness. How many times do you, does a guy get to go on paternity leave? Good for leave? him. Good anyway. for him. I won't, uh, I won't belabor that point. But, uh, Sam, great to uh, spend a few minutes chatting with you. It just feels like we always do. We sit around right. the office and we talk about <laughs> stuff. And now all of a sudden we get to do it over the air, which is pretty fun and pretty cool. Sneak peek behind the curtain. There you go. So we're going to give people uh, a little bit of insight on how we feel about some of these issues going on right now. Uh, I want to start with the Jazz yeah. post-trade. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you're seeing right now with the Jazz? Kind of expected, but at the same time the reality is setting in that ah, this team is not as competitive as they were a couple weeks ago. Right, right. And, you know, so like Justin Zanuck said it last week when he had his his media availability after the trades, um, I, I believe Will Hardy kind of reiterated last night, you know, it's it's not going to look very pretty sometimes, right? It, it's it's going to get a little sloppy at times because the, 
the rebuild process means you've got to, and I think the Jazz are somewhat committed at this point to playing these younger draft picks, getting them a few more reps, a few more minutes on the basketball court. That means more Taylor Hendricks minutes. That means more Bryce Sensabaugh minutes. Of course, they've elevated Keontae George into the starting lineup uh, to, to see if he can be a potential leader in the backcourt. And, you know, we've seen his um, abilities and skills that he's shown us ever since uh, – you know, summer league even, and I think they've got a lot of high hopes for him. I think they've got high, high hopes for all these guys. But the thing is, is Jazz fans, you know, they they want to get back to the playoffs quickly, and they felt like they had a team that would at least get into the play-in. And then once the trade happened, it just feels like there's been kind of a 180. But And me and you, we've talked about this, J.J. It, we, I, I think we both feel that the Jazz front office, they don't, they don't really care. They want to get to the playoffs, yes. But Justin Zanuck was very clear on Saturday, I think it was Saturday, whenever it was that he had his media availability last week, when he said that they they don't want kind of something hot for a year or two. They want to find that sweet spot where they enter a five-ish year window where they are championship contenders. To get to a five-year window, it's going to take a little bit of time, probably another two, maybe even three seasons before they get to that point. That's the hard part, Sam, is patience, right? Yeah, so no you doubt. Hear you hear Justin Zanuck talking about short-term pain for long-term game gain. We've had David Locke in the program every week, and he talks about how this is about 2028, not 2024. And you're thinking to yourself, 2028? <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to be alive in 2028, <laughs> right? So this is requiring patience, and I think that's the hard part. Yeah. And you have nights like last night and Monday night, you're like, I don't – patience, yeah, but I can be patient, but I don't know how much longer I can take stuff like this where you're just kind of like, this is not this is not what we pay for. This is not what we watch. I think the hard part too is because you still have a very large portion of the Jazz fan base that still feels like the NBA Finals was just a year or two ago, right? <laughs> and, and, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, we we were teenagers when it happened, so we understand. We remember pretty well those Finals runs when they took on the Bulls, and and to be so close to tasting that glory, to raising that banner. And to not even really get to that point again ever since uh, is is frustrating. And I think a lot of jazz fans, even though it's been that long, they're tired of waiting. And so when you hear another four more years, oh, come on, let's get there already. But I, for for me, if I put my fan hat on for a minute, if it equals one banner in the rafters here in the next decade, I, I can sit back for a couple more years and 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 withstand this rebuilding process. No question. And we talk about patience. Look, the Jazz have not been to a conference finals yeah. since 2007. A little bit. That was 17 years ago. So <laughs> little bit. We, we, we could probably handle four or five years of, of the process if that's what's required. And I think we all understand what's going on there. So, But, again, you know, and you know, I, had just, I just Googled this. The Jazz play Charlotte uh, after the All-Star break. So the schedule eases up a little bit. That will certainly help. With things, But you know what would be perfect, Sam, is while we wait for the Jazz to become contenders again, the excitement of getting an NHL team or an MLB team yeah. in Utah might help us with that patience process. We just had news today, Big League Utah releasing renderings of a potential stadium uh, down at the power uh, part of the town. And, and just the whole situation there with the development is exciting. And then you got, you know, maybe the A's come here for two or three mm -hmm. years. Just your thoughts and your excitement about what's developing here specifically with MLB in Utah. I love what we're seeing from when we're talking MLB and NHL from these two ownership groups 
kind of the power moves that they're making. They're flexing muscle at times that they need to flex muscle. You know, you see Ryan Smith making it public that he wants an expansion team when there was no need for him to do so. There was no uh, announcement that the NHL was even looking at expansion, and they've even reiterated it since. But he made that power move to say, no, I'm ready now. I've got the money. He's keeping Salt Lake relevant in the realm of potentially having an NHL team. I kind of feel similarly today with Big League Utah releasing these renderings, right? What other potential market is is releasing the renderings of a big old, uh, you know, and I know there's a few others out there that have discussed it, but th- this is a move that you have to make to show, hey, especially on the heels of of the A's potentially staying in Oakland for the, for the remainder of their uh, wait for their stadium in Vegas. But um, seeing Big League Utah do this and, and the steps that they continue to take, for me, it's just kind of those little moments of, of flexing some muscle to show Major League Baseball that not only do we have an ownership group that's ready to build now, not only do we have an ownership group that's ready to spend the billions of dollars that it takes to to have a Major League Baseball team here, but you're seeing the reactions on social media. You have a fan base that's invigorated, that's excited, that wants this to happen in the state of Utah. And I just love all these little moves. They just keep Utah relevant. They keep them at the forefront. They keep them on the thought of the of the commissioner and of the league and of fan bases across the country that, you know, Utah's a serious contender. They came to play for sure. You know, Bob Nightingale of uh, USA Today reported earlier this week that it's right now it's the leaders in the clubhouse, to use a, base, a yeah. baseball term, is Nashville in the east and Salt Lake City in the west. So let's give Big League Utah credit. Yep. They have certainly got the notice of Major League Baseball. Obviously, they've had con- uh, conf- uh, conversations with Rob Manfred, and the groundwork has been laid by Big League Utah and the Larry H. Miller Company to make this happen. And this whole development, the power district, is going to start later this year. They're not going to wait for expansion uh, to come down. They're going to get this started and get this rolling. Of course, we probably are going to wait, Sam, and that's the <laughs> news coming out. Uh, you, you heard it later recently. Uh, what what are we looking at? How long is it going to take for this expansion to take place? Because obviously Major League Baseball in no hurry. Right. And, uh, you know, from what I believe I read uh couple days ago was that by around 2030 is when they would consider expansion right and then just today i i I see the reports out just about an hour or so ago that rob menfred saying that he's going to officially step down as commissioner in 2029 so now i'm sitting there thinking okay the the commissioner that the lhm group has had communication with that they've been in talks with that they've uh, been trying to develop this relationship with may not be there when major league baseball officially decides to expand what what does that mean? You know, so now I've got these extra questions coming up. Okay, if, if Manfred's going to walk away, does this impact any potential expansion? Does it impact any potential relationship uh, that Major League Baseball has built with Salt Lake City? It, there's going to be a lot to look at, a lot to uh, consider over the next few years, but I think his decision to step down in the next five years might also mean that he's not that worried about making a big expansion move before he steps down from baseball either. But it does tell me that he might want to announce that and make it happen before he. There does you go. The make it kind of a kind of a, a kind of make it a not a lasting move, but whatever. You know that that that. Hey, legacy that, matters yes, as a exactly. commissioner, right? For and sure. what better legacy than to bring two new franchises into Major League Baseball? So things looking good for Big League Utah and MLB in Utah. Whether the A's are going to be here for two or three years, that's a different story. I don't know what to make of that, but what uh, what happened today is certainly a positive in that direction. All right, let's shift to college football, Sam. Uh, we had uh, 
we, we, there's a lot of way too early polls out there, and, and everybody has an opinion. I wanted to give you a chance to, to share your thoughts on how you see things. Now that BYU and Utah are in the same conference, it's exciting. Uh, there's a lot of things to look at there, and we become more and more familiar with the conference as the years go on. Now in year two with BYU, year one for Utah, a lot of new teams in there as well. Some really good teams like Arizona, even Colorado making the moves that they've made. So how do you see it shaking out? What do you, what's your way too early prediction for Utah and BYU next season? I think Utah is going to be pretty good, right? It's, it's just yeah. what, what Kyle Whittingham you, – you can't bet against Kyle Whittingham. What he has done from when he took over from uh, – for uh, – uh, good grief. I'm just totally blanked on Urban Meyer's name. When, yeah. when, when Coach Witt took over for Urban Meyer and helped lead this team – into the Pac-12 era, you saw them go through their bumps and bruises in the in the early years, but eventually emerging as a perennial contender in a power football conference, where he has successfully uh, won the recruiting battles every single year. Added to that roster, he turns guys that we've never heard of into stars, and he just knows how to develop talent. He knows how to find talent and to make his teams uh, contenders for conference championships and. and now that we're going into a 12-team playoff, definitely for playoff spots. So I really like where Utah's at going into the Big 12. I think uh, you'd be silly to overlook them, even though they're a new member uh, going into the Big 12. They, I, I look at them as a top three team heading into this conference already. Uh, I initially, in our way-too-early projections, had Arizona coming in as the conference favorite. I don't know what difference uh, it makes now that Fish is gone and no longer their head coach, but – um, it, we'll, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But Utah's in a really good situation for BYU. It, it, for me, what I've got to see from BYU is another step in, in the right direction to building a respectable Power 5 program because, like, if, if you're going to look long-term at, you know, what we've seen recently with, with the Big Ten and the SEC kind of building this alliance where college football is eventually heading to its own little league, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a semi-pro league or whatever you want to call it. It's it's heading this direction someday. You have to be relevant when it comes down to, okay, these are the teams we're taking. And you look at Utah, the state, and the Salt Lake City market, they may only get to a point, you know, I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself probably, but they might get to a point where they're like, okay, we only want one team from that market. So <laughs> you've got to be relevant. BYU needs to continue to step forward they need to become bowl eligible this next year i think even if it's just one more win than last year six wins you know gets them that extra game gets them into bowl eligibility and they just have to continue to build from there but they've got to unfortunately i I think they're going to have to step on the accelerator a little more to to build a relevant franchise sooner than later so that they don't get left behind when it comes down to all this college football uh restructuring whatever we're going to see over the next decade no doubt the pressure to win has never been greater for BYU and for Utah. I think BYU can get to 6-6 six and six this year. I think that would be a great season for them, a big next step, you know, maybe more. But you gotta be, you got to be really honest about where they're at right now in that transition. And you got to look at that schedule, Sam. Yeah. That schedule's brutal. I think it's, it's probably the most difficult Big 12 schedule of any of the Big 12 teams yeah. where they've got to play all the toughest contenders. You know, Utah benefited from not having to play the Kansas schools this year, not having to go to West Virginia. So – uh, it's going to be tough, but BYU, I think 6-6 six and six is that mark, and there's there's reason to believe they can do it. And I'm with everybody else. I think Utah right now with everybody coming back, they're the team to beat in the Big 12. And I know BYU fans don't want to hear that, but 
Brad McMurphy was on our on our show earlier this week from Action Sports Network, one of the best college football writers in the country. He's got Utah in the college football playoff in a top four spot yeah. because they win the conference. So it's not just us that's hyping up Utah. It's all around the country, and they've, they've deserved that with the guys they have coming back. I want to hit local college hoops real quick before we get out. Uh, you and I, we're not planning on this. We, I think we're, we're, we're putting a huge dent in the KSL Sports <laughs> budget this year because we're, we're ready to go right? cover some March Madness, and I don't think the budget was ready for it because we didn't see this coming, <laughs> but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, we got a lot of teams going. Hopefully Utah can get back in the mix here, get things right this week, and, and get off the bubble and get back in the mix. But uh, all three teams looking good other than Utah falling a little bit, but obviously BYU and Utah State are right there. Of all the teams, and I'll throw Weber State out there, I think they can go win uh, the Big Sky, even though Eastern Washington's tough this year. It's going to be fun in Boise. Of all the teams on the men's side that are going, who has the best chance to make a deep arch run out of all those teams? Well, when I think of tournament time, when I think of March basketball, I think of you, you, a roster that has some depth to it, right? You have to have some yeah. some star power. that You have to have the guys that will be able to lead that team. But the roster that has the most depth on it, I just see BYU's roster and uh, what they've been able to, you know, to generate production-wise off the bench almost on a nightly basis. It seems like there's someone else off the bench scoring 15, 16 points uh, on that roster. Uh, what I like about BYU is when they have a healthy Fusani Traore, right? Because that guy's a difference maker. For me, he might be the most valuable player on that roster, and he provided them with something we didn't see a whole lot of early in the season, which was more of an inside presence both on offense and the defensive side of the floor. But when we're talking about making a run, I think BYU's built more to make a run in the tournament. I think Utah State's a team, though, that if they get hot, their they're, you know, star players, their starting five, their top six guys might be enough to get them into maybe the second or third round of the tournament, the Sweet 16, right? Um, but – Overall, I, I think I, I have to lean uh, towards BYU for the team that's built to possibly make the deepest run in the tournament. I think BYU is the better team. They have the team with the most depth, the team with the greater ceiling. I agree with you there. What concerns me about BYU is live by the three, die by oh, the yeah. three, and lack of really yep. – who's their floor leader? Who's that guard, the go-to guard? Yeah. I mean – Maybe Dallin Hall can be that guy in the tournament, but we don't know yet. Um, Utah State has a steady point guard in Darius Brown. Mm -hmm. Great Osabor has already played in an NCAA tournament. So has Darius Brown. Mm -hmm. And you add all the mix there with Utah State. They don't shoot the three as well as I'd like them to, but they have all the makings of a great tournament team. And what's really impressed me, Sam, with Utah State is they've won a lot of road games and neutral site games this year. They've been road warriors, and they had just had a big win last night at Wyoming. That's not an easy place to play. A lot of the best teams in the Mountain West – have lost some of those games. The Mountain West has been good enough to battle test them. I think that they can win in March this year. This could be the year that Utah State finally breaks through. Agree that BYU has the higher ceiling. I'm just worried about some of those inconsistencies with BYU when it gets to tournament time. Uh, Sam, can you do one more segment yeah, with us? Do you want to sure. do some NFL talk? Let's do it. All right, we'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, we got to take a short break here. All the latest news and notes from the league and the locals in the NFL. JJ and Alex bring you the NFL Blitz on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ah, you hear the music. You know what that means. It's time for the NFL Blitz. 
But Sam, I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball here because before we get to the latest NFL headlines from today, and the NFL never sleeps, 365, 24-7. There's always NFL news. There's bigger news we've got to digest and go over, Sam. I know you're a big fan. Bigger is better. You're a big fan or were a big fan of the NCAA football video game. Yes. Back in the day. How many hours did you waste in college on NCAA football? Have you seen the bags under my eyes? That's where it all began. <laughs> it, it, it all began. You earned those. Yes, I earned those playing season after season. I've I've taken Weber State from an FCS to a Power 5 uh, contender in that game before. I created Utah Valley College football before wow. on that game. Um, I've, I throw out your scenarios. I, pr- I took Army to a perennial national power once. You know, hey, I spent way too much time on that video game. Alabama should have hired you instead of Kalen DeBoer. <laughs> hey, I'll take I'll take the, what they're paying for sure. Absolutely. So, new video game, new NCAA Football 25 is coming. Your reaction, your thoughts. I love it. Um, I want it. I am <laughs> nervous that if I get it... <laughs> You're you gonna might lose not your see job. Me back at work again. Yeah. You're gonna show up at like 10, 10:47 on a Sunday night. Like Sam, where you been? I've been started. I've been I've been breaking down film. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> who who should be on the cover? Oh man, who are they gonna pay to be on the cover? That that was and yeah. honestly my first thought is whoever's on this cover, are they gonna get like seven figures for being on the cover now? You know yeah, how well, how is this working? Um, it is probably gonna be a play that's currently it's about to go in the NFL. Right. Right? I mean. Don't you want Jaden Daniels on that cover? Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. It, it, you know, it, and if they're going to try to save money, then they're going to go the mascot route. Um, so uh. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I, 100%, there's going to be some big NIL, NIL whatever agreement reached for whoever's going to be on the cover of that video game. Yeah, the Heisman Trophy winner would make sense, but I could see them just going with a player that's going to be playing next year, Jalen Milrow, Alabama, because I think they'd love to have that brand on the cover. We will see. All right, let's get to some NFL stuff. This is interesting, Sam. The Patriots quarterback situation apparently was so toxic this year that Bailey Zappi sometimes watched film in the wide receiver room as a rookie. Patriots, Oof. it was so toxic that, I mean, that's, that's incredible. What, can you imagine what it was like last year being in that locker room? You can't be in the same room as your your position teammates, right, and, and your position coach because it's that bad. And, you know, I get it. With At quarterback, you've only got two, three, four guys in that room. Um, but at the same time, that's not good. That's, that's certainly not good at all. You know, Mac Jones, we've seen him just slide out of favor uh, up there. Um, I'll tell you what, it, it kind of feels like when I'm reading stories like this and seeing what's happening with the Patriots the past couple of years, now Bill Belichick officially leaving, I kind of feel like the Patriots of the 80s have now returned. And, but but they've had so much success at the same time, I'm like, hey, be okay with being irrelevant for the next decade again. It's fine. Wah. Nobody cares <laughs> that the Patriots suck. Wah. Nobody feels bad for no. them. So enjoy your toxic environment, New England. You deserve it. All right. Geno Smith getting paid with the Seahawks, $12.7 million, fully guaranteed. Do you think Geno Smith can continue to play at a high level, or do you see Drew Locke breaking through there? Well, that's what I, that's what I was going to say. What, you know, they don't have a lot of options there. If it's Geno, it's Drew, and uh, whatever they can come up with, you know, uh, out on the market or maybe in the draft or whatever. But Geno, look, I get it. From a statistics standpoint, from a win-loss standpoint last year, wasn't as good as he was the year before when he was the comeback player of the year. But having experienced the, the Drew Locke experience in Denver and, and, and watching it 
uh, even you know on television, whatever. I I I don't know. Is Drew Locke better than Geno Smith? Uh, maybe he is. Uh, I gosh, I just feel like this is a move because they don't have any better options, and so you, you got to keep him on the roster. And yeah, that means paying him twelve and a half million dollars. Yeah, with Pete Carroll out, it just feels like a, a transition for the Seahawks. They've yep. been great for so long. But I'm not sure where the franchise is going right now. It's going to be interesting to watch that develop. Uh, we've got nepotism at its finest. And nepotism <laughs> is certainly nothing new in the NFL. Antonio Pierce, the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, hires his son as an assistant coach? <laughs> what? Yeah, I mean, so as I'm seeing that, I'm, I'm my again, my very first thought here is like, well, what's his role? Is, is, is he hired as an assistant coach to kind of collect a paycheck and maybe just kind of you know, be whatever, be his true assistant, right? Hey, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do that. I need you to run this drill, do that drill. Uh, I'd be curious to know exactly what role he falls into here on that coaching staff. Um, I'm okay with coaches hiring family. You see it, uh, like you said, it's not it's not necessarily new, but uh, Antonio Pierce is still kind of cutting his teeth as a head coach. Uh, yeah. He still has a lot to prove. So, um, yeah. We'll see. We'll see if this works out for him. Here's the resume for DeAndre Pierce. Spent last year at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, where he was the uh, defensive coach in 2023. He played under his father in high school at Long Beach Poly and Arizona State when his father was a Sun Devils defensive coordinator from 2020 to 2022. We know how well that went. Uh, he played defensive back at Arizona State. So we'll see. Um, and they hired him a, as an offensive assistant, I believe, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, we'll uh, see. you know, look, I mean, at least his, his son's not – I mean, you look at the Patriots and Bill Belichick's sons who <laughs> yeah. look like they, they, they were in the, uh, the, uh, the Tiger King. I mean, <laughs> at least – I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. It's been going on for years in the NFL. It and I don't has. know if it always works out that well. Yep. But when you're, when you're a well-known coach and you're the boss, you get to do what you want. Yep, 100%. Uh, and as a Broncos fan, I'm sure you uh, echo my sentiment. Uh, I love the hiring of Antonio <laughs> yes. Pierce because 100%. I don't I don't think they're going to win much under his watch. Oh, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, um, he's the new offense coordinator at Washington. Feels like they would like to get a shot at Caleb Williams. Don't know if they get up there. Maybe Jaden Daniels is a guy. But the ideal quarterback he wants in Washington is Patrick Mahomes. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, no Cliff kidding. Cliff Kingsbury, obviously, coached Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. Yeah, I mean, hey. The Denver Broncos would love Patrick Mahomes too. You know, I mean, who wouldn't, <laughs> right? Yeah. But but I, I get it. That's that's the style of quarterback he's talking about. Someone who's got the ability to, you know, hang in the pocket, make great decisions and great throws with his arm, but also be able to shake things up and and move the chains with his feet, just like we saw Patrick do in the Super Bowl uh, in, at the end of regulation and in overtime. And um, yeah, Caleb Williams. Um, that would be amazing, right? To that, that's I think that's the kind of quarterback that probably fits that mold coming into this draft. And shoot, if the Broncos could get into range for him, which they won't, that, that I would love to have that kind of quarterback too. But in today's game, for sure, that's that seems like that's the mold. You know, the mold used to be Joe Montana, and then it became like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And now the mold today of the quarterback that, that you want, you want to make your quarterback with the Patrick Mahomes mold. Sam, thanks for coming on the show today. We'll do it again soon. Awesome. It's been fun. Uh, tell everybody what uh, they can see tonight at 6 and 10 on KSL. Yeah, tonight uh, we'll definitely be talking about the Utah Jazz as they look ahead to the Warriors tonight, and then we'll have full coverage uh, coming up at 10. Warriors came in, what, wee hours of the morning, so we'll yes, see how they, they hang.
We'll see that goes. You can also watch Sam KSL Sports Live 6 p.m. on Saturday. And I'll join him Sunday night yeah. at 1045. So you can look forward to that this weekend. Sam, thank you. Appreciate Thanks. it. All right. JJ and Alice continues from the RV show next on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. It's game night. Utah Jazz back in action tonight. Their last game before the All-Star break. And they'll be hosting once again the Golden State Warriors. It's, of course, a rescheduled game uh, from a few weeks ago after a game had to be postponed due to the death of Dan Milojevic, the uh, Warriors' assistant coach. That game will be played tonight. The Golden State Warriors back in town. They were here just here Monday, and we know how that went. A 22-point defeat for the Utah Jazz. The Jazz will get another shot at them tonight. The Jazz team that's just, you know, it's tough after an all-star break, or after a trade deadline, and right before an all-star break, uh, to really be sharp. Uh, it, it's a tough one tonight because the Warriors are coming into town. The Warriors blew a lead last night against the Los Angeles Clippers. A big game last night for them to kind of see where they were at against one of the best teams in the West, and they came up short. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of edge last night to that game, uh, especially between Steph and James Harden. They've competed many times over the years, and that same competitive spirit was there last night. I bring that up because while the Warriors are playing second night of a back-to-back here in Utah, right before the All-Star break, they are a team in tenth in the West that wants to make the playoffs, especially with that veteran group, and they are doing everything they can to get there. They see a chance to win a game tonight against the Utah Jazz. They're bringing the whole crew. Nobody's sitting out tonight. It's not like last night where LeBron James sat out with nothing, no reason at all other than second night of a back-to-back. Wanted to start an all-star break early, I guess. The Warriors are bringing everybody, Steph, Draymond, and Clay. And before last night's loss, they'd won four games in a row. So the Warriors are playing really well right, right now. So... That's what the Jazz are up against tonight. We'll see how the Jazz respond, bounce back. If you're a Jazz fan, this team isn't winning at the rate you want them to win right now, but we all understand what's going on right now. This franchise is in a rebuild. They're trying to figure some things out. They're trying to get some young guys more playing time, specifically Taylor Hendricks, uh, giving Keontae George a bigger role as a starting point guard. So the Jazz are in a different place than, say, a team like the Warriors that are veteran-laden, former dynasty, a team trying to get into the playoffs and trying to make some noise, a team that really honestly still believes that they can win an NBA championship. And, of course, they do have guys that have done it before. So that's what the Jazz are up against tonight. We'll see how the Jazz do, see how they respond. And uh, The Jazz have some players right now that are playing well. Colin Sexton I thought was great last night again, played aggressive, got to the hoop. Uh, there were some moments there at the uh, early part of the third quarter where the game was tight. It looked like the Jazz were in a prime position uh, to win that game, but then things happen, and all of a sudden the Lakers go on and run the game's over. The biggest problem for the Jazz right now has been on the defensive end of the floor. They have not been able to get it done on that end. So we'll see if the defense improves tonight. That's where the Jazz really have to lock in and be better if they have any chance to beat a team like the Warriors, who I mentioned are coming here full strength. They're, uh, they're trying to win a game tonight before the All-Star break and try to solidify their place in the standings. I think they'd like to get up to six. I don't think that's possible. 
I think the Warriors and the Lakers are going to have to play in that play-in tournament to get that playoff spot. And it could be that the Lakers are 9 and the Warriors are 10. That's a lot of talent and a lot of championships uh, between guys in a, in a 9-10 situation with a one-game and you advance play-in situation. So that I think the NBA would actually really enjoy that and love that if that turns out to be the case. But uh, the Warriors certainly coming in here to win this game tonight. Jazz Warriors, 7 p.m. The uh, pre-half and post-game show tonight will feature Alex Curry. That's why I'm here all alone at the RV show, setting the stage for those guys to come in and uh, get you ready for that ball game. I'm sure that uh, Mike Smith will join them as well in that first segment. Always good to hear from him as well and his insight, former player and a longtime analyst of the NBA. So you're going to get great insights. They'll get you ready for that game. Last game before the All-Star break. Of course, the Jazz will be well represented in the All-Star break, even though they don't have an All-Star player. Uh, Lowry Markin will participate Saturday night in the three-point shooting contest. Friday night, you will see the rising stars. You will see, um, you'll see uh, both uh, the rookie, Keontae George, and Walker Kessler play in that rising stars game. So Jazz Warriors tonight, 7 p.m., then you can look forward to the All-Star game. Uh, that's coming up tonight, 7 o'clock. So we'll turn the things over to Tim Lacombe, the coach, and Alex Curry standing by right now over at Delta Center for your pregame show, Jazz Warriors. You've been listening to J- JT and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.